0: Welcome to I Change the Narrative, a podcast for and about Black men inspiring, supporting, and empowering Black men and Black boys. This episode of I Change the Narrative is sponsored by So Organic, So Swallow, Rich Skin. From healthy beard growth to top head hair styling to an illuminating skincare regimen, Sauce Essentials will naturally enhance your outer appearance. To strengthen your inner confidence, Sauce invites you to accept the authenticity and real self care and embrace your best. You can find Sauce's award winning grooming essentials online at S on Instagram for the latest in product news and updates at sossd.co. Elevate your grooming with Sauce today. Today's topic, we are talking about Black men survivors of sexual trauma. Before we start the conversation, I want to ask our guest to briefly tell us about yourself, where you're from, and the work that you're involved in that lends itself to the topic or the lived experience. First, I want to start off with Mr. Robert Marshall,
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Robert Marshall. I am the CEO of Iron Man Inc. and I am the author of uh, uh, Echoes, the stories of, males, uh, the stories of Men Overcoming Sexual Trauma. Here is our amazing book. Um, and I've been working with boys and males. Uh, I, what I do is I help boys and men overcome adverse childhood and traumatic life experiences. Um, And so uh, we do that through a number of ways. It's through creating resources, trainings, uh, conferences, and safe spaces for boys and men to begin to process and begin their journey to wholeness.
2: Can you mute?
0: Tony, would you like to introduce yourself?
3: Hi, my name's Tony Thompson. I'm from uh, London, UK, and um, I'm currently I run a group on online uh, called Men Talk Four Six Two, and it's to do with mental and emotional health. I'm also an author. I've just written a book, well, two books. One a sense of place, and another for children. And basically, and I also drive buses to make a living, but I used to be a teacher of high school children. And I've just recently given that up to um, concentrate on mental and emotional health. And that's me.
0: Thank you, Tony. Dr. Leon.
3: Good afternoon. Not quite yet. Not
2: quite there yet as yet. But I'm. Um, but thank you nonetheless. Um, how you all doing? Um, my name's Leon. Leon Berry. I'm again, also from London, England. Um, my journey is one of the things that I wanted to change the narrative from boys and men like myself. So I became a therapist. So it was be the change that I wanted to see. Um, so I'm a counselor, psychotherapist. Um, I do that full-time as well as also a part-time student. Um, And I I actually enjoy the work that I do. I used to work in broadcasting, um, long hours, long shifts. And I now want to work, I won't say solely, but a lot of my space and time is given to men to to basically change the narrative of what they think of themselves and to process to a place of healing and solutions. Awesome. Thank you. Daquan.
4: Hey everybody to the ones I know and the ones that I'm just meeting. Thank you for being on here. Um, my name is Daquan White, the administrative assistant of the Survivor Circle. Um, I'm also the co- one of the co-authors of this amazing book, Echoes. And let um, me see some of the exciting things, I guess. Um, one of the exciting thing is I was just talking to my brother Ron about just getting back in school. Um, going to school for social work, um, praying that it lead to therapy. <laughs> so, um, you know, because we have the perspective of our stories and what we've been through. But um, I really would love to just be able to give more and be able to provide more information to the guys of the group and guys that come in. So social work and, you know, therapy and trauma is what I'm kind of aiming for so I can be, be more of a help to the guys. So that's a little about myself.
0: Thank you. Next up, we have <laughs> Ronald.
5: Hello, everyone. Um, again, my name is Ronald McCray. I am from the uh, DC, Maryland, uh, Virginia area, the grand old DMV. <laughs> I am a co-author of Echoes as well. Um, I have the privilege of knowing these amazing men who are contributing authors, um, as well as the men who have joined the community. Hey, Nolan, nice to, to meet you. Uh, and uh, I'm also uh, returning to school as a psychology major, and my goal is to become a mental health therapist. Uh, I have, uh, uh, you know, my ministry is to also helping um, men, um, but just people um, all over to, you know, come into a restoration of identity. Um, and I do that um, by way of, you know, faith and sharing my story around the globe. Um, and leading others to uh, healing, restoration. And, um, you know, again, as Daquan mentioned, uh, just f- personally speaking, I want to be able to uh, be equipped to offer both the spiritual and the clinical, you know, support that people need. So I'm very much on a, an exciting journey and I'm just grateful to be a part of this discussion.
0: Thank you so much, Mr. King Nolan.
6: Hello, everybody. My name is Nolan Adams. I am from North Carolina, and I am a what you will call a recontent content creator, if you will. Um, I basically take myself out of social media, and I re-post other people's content t- pertaining to mental health. And I just broadcast that and help others us get through mental health by giving them encouragement and by also um, in some shape or form give my personal uh, testimony of sexual assault, sexual assault through reposting other people's content that I like or share.
0: Thank you so much, Nolan. Um, Nolan is a connector of us all on here, so we appreciate that. Nolan is a supporter of other people's content. So we appreciate you, Nolan. Thank you. And last but not least, Mr. Mario.
7: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Mario Furlow. I am a co-author of Echoes, and I'm also the founder of Unique Transformation Enterprise, and I'm the president of the Overcomers Network. Um, I have a passion for people in general um, who, who have experienced any type of trauma Um, in their lives. I believe alongside therapy, um, alongside counseling, there is an authentic love of Christ that will help help people to become authentically themselves.
0: That is awesome. So for those of you that are listening, we are all nervous today. So please excuse our nervousness, but we're just going to begin to flow in this conversation. So too often, um, I'm just going to mute you mute. Um, Too often, the idea of young Black boys as sexually aggressive or criminally assaulted displaces the idea that they can be victims at all. We barely hear stories of how Black men and Black boys are researched as victims of sexual violations anywhere in any form of media. Instead, Black men and Black boys are almost exclusively represented as perpetrators of sexual violence. As quiet as it is kept and not surprising, black males are uniquely at risk for sexual impropriety and statutory rape, primarily by older women and teenage girls, although also it includes same-sex violations. I took an interest in this conversation because it is an under-reported problem and you, our sons, our Black men and Black boys have been missing from the conversation. Now I know this can be challenging to come forward and grapple with abuse publicly. Your stories and expertise is an example of courage in the face of pain and can be inspirational to other survivors who are struggling with their own feelings of abuse and how others will react to those feelings. So once again, I want, you all, I want to thank you all for sharing your stories. So first I want to um, speak with our, our writers and um, the visionary of um, the book, Echoes, um, because this is the first thing that attracted me. Um, I've been wanting to do this conversation since season one and I have not found anyone who wanted to come forward with their stories. And so I think there is no time like the present. This is God's timing um, for this book and for to have this conversation on I Change the Narrative. So I wanna thank you, Robert, um, for your vision. And let's let's get to it. Robert, why did you want w- w- tell me about this project?
1: So so this project actually began, um, it was a process that started like almost four years ago. Um, At one point in time, I was a traveling, you know, really a traveling evangelist that really focused on just kind of deliverance healing, kind of like the typical church stuff. Um, What most people don't know about me outside of uh, that space, um, I'm actually an educator. And at the time I was serving as the dean um, at a uh, one of the most biblical uh, institutions in America, uh, Moody Bible Institute at the time. And I was driving home and one day the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Robert, I want you to tell your story. And I and I and I and I said, What? I said, um, no, we're not, we're not gonna do that. We're, we're not gonna do that. Because I felt like for the first time I was normal. I felt like, you know, I had the house, I had the kids, I had the wife. Um, and I said at that point, you know, this is going to be what I'm gonna do. The Holy Spirit really spoke to my heart at that time. I always, you know, I would share my story in pockets, but it was never exclusively the, the, the thing. And so that it was never exclusive. It never exclusively took the front stage um, until one day. The Holy Spirit said to me, this is what I want you to do and do it. So I did it. Um, I did it. I wrote the book actually two almost years ago. And I never really it never really felt complete to me. Um, but. As I started, the pandemic happened and whatnot. And so what started to happen was I started to share my story because that's what I was being empowered to do. And as I started sharing my story, funny thing is that I would have people from all over the country, not just America, all over the world, honestly, um, would start inboxing me, emailing me, calling me privately saying, me too, me too. This happened to me, too. This happened to me as well. Um, and I, I see my, my, the, my two brothers here from the U.K. Um, I actually attended the University of Chester in uh, Chester um, and uh, in, in, within the U.K. And I met a lot of amazing people there. I also lived in Africa for some time. So I have kind of this widespread. So I started getting all of these inboxes. And what I was afraid to originally talk about became the center of my life so much to the point where i said you know what we have to do something we held our first event for survivors of, male survivors of sexual trauma i did not think anyone would show up that day 96 men showed up to that event and it was all types of men it were it was men from all types of backgrounds heterosexual men homosexual men transgender men married men like it, it, people from who were from the street people who were married uh it was it was everywhere it was everyone who wanted to be a part of this conversation and were in need of something. So to have 96 men show up to an event, specifically um, about sexual trauma, it was men and women because the language was, um, the language was the uh, for men and the people that loved them, survivors and the people that loved them. So I had husbands and wife, wives couple come up and they really had the space to really begin to talk through um, their process. So as I began to share my story, I had the opportunity, you know, I, I, I wanted to put it out and I said, you know what? I am meeting so many amazing men who are processing through their trauma in their own pockets. Um, and it was not a kind of a collective space. And so I felt led to reach out to um, men that I knew kind of, you know, were telling their stories or we had had private conversations. They confessed or I, maybe I counseled them. I'm not a therapist for the record. I'm an activist. I'm an educator by trade. Um, and so I knew that telling my story was impactful, but I felt very selfish telling my making this book about me. And there were so many other amazing men who their stories and their voices wouldn't have been heard. I am a survivor of sexual. Uh, uh, I've had over nine uh, nine sexual traumatic um, abusers over my lifetime. Nine of them. A lot of them from the church. Um, and so I kept silent and I did and I, I wanted to keep silent. And the Lord I've done so much work on the inside, you know, processing through this stuff, not realizing how long this journey would be. Um, and along the pathway, I really a lot of this book is lined with uh personal revelations or conversations um as well as uh study Um, to kind of really shape and give people um, a framework to identify what sexual trauma is and how it impacts the lives of men um, and also how we can provide or begin to create a framework and help men journey to a place called wholeness. I have a saying that healing is the journey, but wholeness is the destination. And so this book was stemmed from creating a safe space and creating something that would help men journey to wholeness. you're a mute
0: thank you i want to hear in brief um well our listeners want to hear in brief about some of those stories that are spoken about that are written about in the book echoes please if you all don't mind sharing. Anyone can go.
7: Okay, I'll go first. (laughs) Um, Again, my name is Mario. I am one of the co-authors of Echoes. Um, When I was first asked to be a part of this, um, I was like, oh my God, I never really shared my story in a book form before. Um, I've talked about it. I've testified about it, you know, in other arenas and services, but, um, I've never really shared it in, um, a book form. And so one of the things, um, that I was afraid of was the, the audience and what they would think, what they would say, um, how would they handle this? But I was about eight years old. Um, and I remember, um, it. Vividly now, um, I had blocked it out as a child up until I was around maybe uh, 30 years old when I had the memory of what really happened on that traumatic day. Um, And it happened over the age of eight, all the way up until I was 18. Um, But I was laying in the bed one night and my older brother, who is an alcoholic, came into the room, um, got in the bed with me. laid beside me and began to um, touch me uh, and eventually uh, penetrated me um, that evening. Um, It went on for years. I never shared with anyone, um, especially my mom, who probably would have died much sooner had she found out. Um, But it went on for years and um, that started a whirlwind of things in my life. that sexual trauma, that moment, um, begin to. I began to have other men um, molest me. I began to have other men come after me, um, and so it it started a whirlwind of me misunderstanding my identity, me misunderstanding who I was, um, me just being um, vulnerable to uh, the touch of a man because for me at that young tender age, it was all it was like, Oh, he loves me. This is why he's doing that to me. And so now, every man that I encounter, I feel like I had to have sex with them, for them to love me, or for me to feel that love. And so um, that's just a portion of my story. um, And I will give some of my other brothers an opportunity to share at this time.
5: I'll go next. I started to experience sexual abuse somewhere between the ages of seven and nine years old, and it began with a male relative and two of his male friends, and they were about four, maybe five years older than me. And it started off with pornography, and it was actually the first time I had seen a, um, a porn video. And I would soon find myself as the subject of their curiosity and experimentation. And so uh, one of the uh, the two friends of this relative were twins. And one of the twins um, came over to me and um, turned me over onto my stomach and, you know, tried to penetrate me. And so this was like the beginning. I, I can't even... Remember how long these experiences went on, uh, but I remember after that first experience, running into the bathroom and just uh, scrubbing, trying to scrub myself like intensely in hopes of washing away the feelings of like deep shame and guilt. Um, that was probably my first recollection of guilt, of shame, of feeling like I wanted this. As mentioned, uh, sometimes. Uh, there's a bodily response to touch and I would describe it as my, it felt like my body was betraying me. And so it created confusion in my mind. Well, if my body's responding this way, then certainly I must be finding some type of enjoyment out of it. Um, but I later found that that was not the truth. It's my body simply responding to how it was designed to respond to touch. Um, unfortunately, sexuality was introduced and awakened before its time. And so This uh, uh, secret, it was a a forcible secret. I was told not to tell anyone. It continued on for uh, probably a few years. Again, I just can't remember how long. And one at a time, they would take turns um, doing things to me and making me do things to them, Um, sometimes at knife point. Um, I was raped at the age of 16 when I began to cut, well, yeah. When I began to engage in relationships with men, I was uh, raped by an older male. Uh, there was another attempted at rape by an older male, um, and there are so many experiences with sexual abuse that I've had that I can't even like name or or count. I, I but I do remember in particular working at my first job at the age of 15 and nine months, and the cook in the kitchen who was. Pro- Probably somewhere in his sixties uh, would sexually assault me and um, belittle me because I wouldn't answer his questions about my anatomy. And uh, it just felt like I was like I had a something on me that made the predator want to pursue me. I could not figure it out for the life of me. And I said maybe it was my timidity or my shy personality. Uh, I tried to find reasons within myself to blame me. And so I was self-harming myself in an effort to understand this continual pattern of trauma. and so the the I guess the response to that trauma looked like uh, sexual promiscuity. and but I just, you know, continually felt this like brokenness, this emptiness this void. And I I just, for the life of me, couldn't understand why, as Mario mentioned, that although I'm giving my body away in hopes of finding love, I just still come up feeling like something's missing. And I became uh, very depressed. Um, I've wrestled with anxiety since I was probably six. I wrestled with suicidal ideation. I did very poorly in grade school. Um, I used to think I'm just dumb or I'm unintelligent. But it was the fact that statistically speaking, uh, a number of people, a great number of people who experience sexual abuse have trouble in school. I was very rebellious with male authority. I did not like male teachers. I was the, the smart mouth the one who ended up in detention because I may have cursed out the teacher. Um, I just had a deep distrust for men. And also it's as crazy as it sounds, you know, having experienced the sexual abuse, perhaps part of me felt like I was taking back my power by um, having sex with as many people that I could not realizing that I was damaging myself in the process. And so I had a, a a Damascus Road experience with Christ in two thousand and nine.
1: And um I love you, man.
5: My my life just hasn't been the same since he's so, um
4: We love you, brother. Rest- we are you
5: restore my life in so many ways. I have a beautiful family now. Um um almost done with college (laughs) a very successful career a homeowner um like i god has defied the odds in my life and i'm not a statistic and i'm living proof that there's life after trauma that there is hope for wholeness and so i endeavor through my ministry um, and serving jesus and telling the world of His transforming power that you too can experience um, this life changing power.
1: Yes. Oh, um, man. I, I, and I know they're telling their stories, but this is why. This is why um, I say this you know, I have uh, healing is the journey, holiness is the destination. Um, all of these men that are in this book, they have their own stories. They Some of them have their own ministries, they're doing their own things. Um, but in this space, I think for all of us, it provided a space where we could begin to process the stuff that we did not have the place or the language to process through in our separate our uh, lives. Um, and so I'm I'm hearing these stories, and I know we're on a podcast, but when you walk with people, you talk with them, you and you hear them, and to see Ron back in school, about to be finished, to see. You know, Mario, he's doing his thing, but Mario is like the bishop of bishops. He's like, he's amazing. He's transforming lives all over into Quan to see and hear him saying they're going back to school to be a part of the solution. This was the reason. This is the purpose to help men move um, and see themselves beyond their trauma. Um, I think for me, and I don't, and I typically actually don't tell my stories because I don't need to, but even in this space, um, one of the first uh, sexual traumatic experiences one of my first abusers um, was a, a cousin um, at the age of four. he was laying down on the floor spending that over a house and he said, Robert, come here and put your mouth on this. That was my introdu- that he pulled himself out and said that that was my introduction um, to sex. Um, another uh, experience for me was um, a barber, a barber, one of the barbers in our local community. I grew up in the South. Um, he would call, you know he, my mom would send us there. To get our my brother and I to get our hair cut after he would finish his my brother's hair. Um he, I remember he he was watching a porn video and he started cutting my hair. And I saw I was watching, I was about six years old at the time, and he started uh cutting hair, cutting my hair. And I saw the man on the you know tape having an orgasm. And I said, Why is he peeing on her? And he said to me, That's not what this is. That's he and he said, That's come, that's not, that's what it is. And he said, You can do it too. And so then he laid me, and I remember uh, on the bed, um, it was a trailer, and it was like those burgundy, you know, gold sheets that all everybody in the ghetto has. Um, it was those burgundy sheets laid down, and and persisted, to, you know, to uh, perform oral sex on me at the age of six. Of course, not much happened, and then he pulls himself out and says, "Now do it to me, um, do it to me." And then that became not only you know oral sex, but also penetration for the first time. Um, not knowing that as a barber, he was already a registered sex offender. Um, I also, at the age of 13, I got into um, what I thought was a relationship with a teacher. Um, I was 13 years old and she was 24 years old. Um, and we and I don't even think some of the guys have heard some of these stories from the age of 13 to 18. I was in a relationship with her. Um, and it was sexual throughout that time when I turned 18, um, she gave me an ultimatum to marry her, um, to marry her at the age of 18 after essentially being sexually groomed from the age of 13 to 18. Um, and so the, you know, these are just some of the stories. Um, there was a pastor for me, um, who started, and a lot of this stuff was happening simultaneously and if you look at research, when you talk about sexual trauma and boys and men, oftentimes boys who experience a sexual traumatic experience, oftentimes it's by two or more assailants or it happens once that initial abuse happens, it continues to happen. Um, and you hear that in a lot of our stories um, as well. Uh, there was a pastor who Um, was a a pastor who kind of took me and I didn't have a father as a little brother. Um, And he, I remember him taking me to the church uh, and walking me around the church and inside the church in the youth area, um, winded up putting, I was in fifth grade, putting me on the table um, and essentially taking my pants down and shoving himself into me. Um, And that lasted from, that lasted from fifth grade up to 20 some odd years of age. And what I did not know was essentially in my area I was being passed around from pastor to pastor from you know from place to place who had kind of this private ring uh, and and the thing is if you look at research most research says men don't realize this happened you know that they're victims of these of sexual abuse uh, until almost 25 years later after the initial abuse has happened and oftentimes in black communities, um, boys who are exposed to sexuality, um, sex, uh, uh, sexuality, um, it, is, uh, it is seen as an initiation into masculinity or manhood. Um, when and, and instead of being, you know, if a little girl was to go through these things, of course, there would be uh, typically a major uproar. There would be some type of follow up. But for boys, rather, it's uh, being sexually uh, awakened prematurely by a woman or a male. Uh, if it's by a woman, it's more acceptable. and and as I've uh, ventured and talked with different therapists, you know, there are some statistics out there that are saying that we actually believe that the statistic for little, for boys being sexually violated by women um, is at a greater number than males being uh, than boys being sexually violated by men. Uh, but the the statistic in America right now is one in six men. Um, Experienced some form of sexual trauma before the age of 16, then it's one in four men after the age of 16. And I always highlight this that it's that um, those numbers are the ones that are reported. And by show of hands here, who we're all from black communities, we all know our relationship with the police not oftentimes are not that well. So we don't report. Um, so yeah, but anyway, but go ahead, guys. I. I this is this is I, I couldn't sit back because these stories I'm hearing them and it's like this is the reason why.
0: Yeah. Anyone else? I don't want to just Tony, um, Nolan, and Daquan and um Doc, if you have a you know want to comment, feel free now. It is totally open to you all.
2: No, I was just um taken back by the actual vulnerability of all these men here, more than anything else. And the common theme is in all of this is that as children who are put in vulnerable situations by those of are around us, and usually it's an older assailant, that you're all adultified. you have brought into a world which had no reason to be there. And what essential trauma does is just literally you rewires your brain. So where's your normal growth and development? And in your youthfulness, you now become hyper aroused, hyper um, emotional, and therefore you you tend to build up an armor, you tend to build up a, a barrier of essential of yourself. Whereas before, so the only thing you should be concerned about is cars and cartoons and things like that, or which ice cream it is. But what you've done and what it seems like you all continue to do is contained something which never belonged to you. So somebody gave you something which was never yours to have. So therefore, we end up containing stuff. So what we end up containing contaminates us until we get the strength to challenge it. So until, until you challenge, you're always going to condone something. So it's about, okay, what will I do for me? Do I contain it? Do I confront it? Will it contaminate me? And it's about the change. It's uncomfortable. It's messy. It's hard work. It's absolutely sometimes paralyzing because what I know most of the time, if not all the time, people that are in therapy are for the people who don't go to therapy. And and, and then point blank, half the time they're in the space because somebody else projected onto them, their stuff, their ritual, their, their own insecurities and pain. And it just passed on to us. And then we end up carrying their emotional baggage and luggage.
7: Yes, interesting, you say that. um, Because I wasn't ready to, to challenge um, it until I was married. Um, And so one of the triggers of my sexual trauma was when my wife would touch me on my shoulder, as we were in the bed. And so she would touch me on my shoulder, and I would freeze. In preparation for what was about to take place, because that's where my mind was. And in order for me to overcome that, I had to go to the place to deal with the trauma that had happened to me as a young boy. And I had to challenge the fear, I had to challenge the shame, the embarrassment, um, and the overall, you know, when it happens to you for so long, there's a portion of you that likes it. There's a portion of you that likes the attention that comes with it. So that's why we even have to be very careful now. I like Robert's quote, you know, um, holding, holding this as a journey, because on that journey, we have to be very careful of the triggers that may come into our lives, even as we um, Walk this out, even as we are married, even as we're fathers, even as we are husbands, we have to be mindful of those triggers as we walk this out, because those triggers can sometimes put you back in that very moment when it first happened to you and you have to be challenged to deal with it. And I think that's some of the um, challenges that many men have because they want to stay in that dark space. They want to keep it contained. They want to keep it hidden. Um, But in order to deal with that, that's the only way we're going to overcome.
2: Can I say something to all of you straight away? It's not your shame. See, what you've just done is, is almost demonstrate, internalize something which is not your shame. It's not yours to carry. But somehow we just develop a... a a sense of self and we look at ourselves it's my shame my issue my blame my pain and it bends us to almost if you will internalize our stuff like it's our fault it's not nobody's shame we are more than our past our past never defines us it just allows us to say okay what do i step on now to become the better version of me yeah. Never defines none of us. Thank you. You define you, not your path.
0: Yeah. I want to um, give Daquan and Nolan and Tony a chance to um, express themselves.
3: Yeah, I would like to. I don't know if you can hear me or see me. Hello? We can hear you, Tony. We can see you as well. We can, we can hear you. Oh no, right, I can't see anybody. <laughs> right. uh, I don't know what's happened. Uh, anyway, um, basically, I was raised in a children's home. And um, at the age of eight, my biological mother decided to take me out of the children's home and take me uh, to Germany uh, for a holiday, what I thought was a holiday, but it wasn't. She she was trying to get me adopted by my auntie and uncle. And while I was in Germany, I was basically groomed and sexually assaulted by my uncle. Uh, What was really um, sort of a bit bewildering to me at that age was the sleeping arrangements. My mother slept with her... Sister, I had to um, share the bed with my uncle in a separate room, and that's where the assault took place where he would take my uh, pajama um, pants down and just I can very much relate to what Mario was saying because i uh, he would try to penetrate me and he would fondle me. Um, he was always so kind to me and so so that's what I thought he's just showing kindness and love to me but I I was as a child I was just a bit confused and just wondering why is he doing this and I was just but I just thought it was the normal thing to for an older man to do to a younger boy and um so for the three weeks I was there, he was he was always every night we would he would you know have his way with me by fondling and trying to penetrate me, but because of my size, it, um, he he found it very hard to penetrate me. But I I just knew I could feel his penis on on my buttocks, but I just I just thought I was being loved and. Cared for, and it was not until uh, we came back from uh, Germany, and I was put back in the children's home, and uh, that that I heard later, I found out later when I discovered um, that uh, basically um, the adoption, which. My mother tried to arrange with my aunt and uncle. Uh, it it didn't take place, which I I just thought, looking back at it now, is just God's intervention. But um, uh, like what my brother was saying about when, because uh, I'm married now with two boys, and uh, but I still feel that I'm sexually confused. I feel like if my wife touches me or if she just, it, I just sometimes I feel it's, uh, it's, it's not, I, I don't feel that sex is natural. It's, it's, I just feel it's something that you just have to do and get over it with and then it's not a part of my sort of, I, I feel it's not a part of my makeup or part of my loving my wife, and even though i you know I love her dearly but um it's just I, I feel that my sexual attraction now is more towards men and but I don't know why and i I just so i I just feel sexually confused and uh because I feel that back then when I was eight it was the the way sex was introduced to me was was something that was I suppose unnatural I I, I really don't know I, I just um I just even at my age now I just feel very sort of mixed up confused and just uh, you know I, I do suffer from depression and anxiety but um yeah and I also remember that in the children's home you know the older boys would also take advantage of the younger boys and i was one of them where a, a boy would would have me in his bed and he would masturbate me and you know f- fondle fondle me and stroke my you know my buttocks so i I've, i i've had all this sort of baggage, mm-hmm. which I feel that um, has been, like, forced upon me. And like Leon says, I f- felt it was my shame and my fault. And so that's that's a part of my story, I, I, I suppose, you know.
0: Leon, can you address what Tommy said about the, um, uh, this trigger about his wife, and I think yeah. Mark
2: said it as well. both, both in both cases, it's it's almost like, um, and there's a great book. What I learned for a guy called Bessel van "Your Body Keeps the Score." It's it's almost like um, army veterans coming back from the from the army and hearing fireworks, or or, or, or think you guys Fourth of July fireworks bangers, and they stuck can or kind of get tremors because to them it's another bomb, to them it's another arm, it's to them it's another fight, firefight they're in. And it's it's also understanding that it's, I'm going to try something quickly in regards to none of us learned to, knew how we learned to walk. We learned how to do our A's and our phonics and how to write. That's formal. But learn to walk, we didn't consciously learn. We just watched everybody else. soul. we crawled, we walked. That is like the trauma that we learned from a young age. You all got introduced into something from such a young age, and it, it adultified you and rewired your brain into a sexuality world, where now it's almost like, okay, we've got to unravel that in connections, in relations, and how you relate to others, and how you relate to yourself, what is love, what is intimacy, what is sex, what is the way how you have relationship with others, and how you see yourself. and That's the part where you've got to reprocess for yourself to say, okay, why am I being triggered? What's the touch meaning to me? Because it's almost like um, for flowers to bloom, you got to get down into the soil. So it's it's got to be dirty and it's uncomfortable sometimes. It's a hard work, but you got to get down into the soil, fertilize it, water it. But then for the flowers to grow shoots, you got to go down first. So for us to grow, we got to go, change is always always the inside out job. Never outside in. So sometimes our behaviors, our habits is what we try to do and cover up what we, what's been done to us. And that's our behaviors. So sometimes we often see the fruit of what we do, but never the root.
0: Yeah. We
2: see what we behave, how we act, how we think. So what we think determines how we feel. And how we feel determines how we behave. So it's what we thinking, what we, what we literally meditate in, and what we carry in our minds. So then it changes our feelings and it changes our behavior. So our triggers yeah, definitely is done by something from the past, but it's almost like um, a preset. Touch there, it shudders us. It takes us right back, a certain smell, a certain cooking, a certain sound, a certain song, a certain, it takes us back. So it's almost like, do we go back to that place? Because we pull it back in a wardrobe somewhere and hide it. I mean, And that same energy, pushing down, tires us out, takes us off, it it takes us to places. So the same energy we put put in the wardrobe, can we use that same energy to take it out, to challenge it, to confront it, or try to contain it? All
0: right. Thank you for that. Um, I was speaking with Nolan earlier before we all got on, and Nolan brought up a great question. And Nolan, I want you to answer that question as we have some ministers on here that can, um, I think can help with
6: um your perspective um my question is for so many of us i just want to know the simple question and the sometimes perplexed question is why us why did we have to go through something like this why did god even allow, would even allow something like this to even happen to any of us? Mm -hmm. That's my question. More questions? Well,
4: I would like to say this. Um, Well, God being all loving and all knowing, you know, one thing about it that I've learned through all this, God never stopped loving you. That's one thing that I can contest to, like God never stopped loving us throughout this time, because I know we've been through these dark moments and I know I question myself and I don't know if anybody else has been there. I question um, my relationship with God plenty of times because I wondered, you know, I'm in such a dark space right? <laughs> and, you know, and I'm constantly going through these traumatic experiences, actually trauma bonding with people constantly fall for the same things because, you know, um, a lot of us went through traumatic experience prior to being sexually assaulted, you know, so it was like one after another, you know, for my story, I was, um, to make it short, I was, while I was being physically abused by my one of my mother's boyfriends, I was also being sexually abused um, as well um, by a neighbor and a few other people that I've also had to happen to me as well. And um, I realized through all that to say, um, You know with people having free will you know um of course god being all-knowing and still being loving um how can i put this they chose to do that to you you know i I don't i had to learn that it didn't take away the love of god that god had for me people chose to do that because with the will they had and the wickedness it may be something that they've been through maybe caused them to do that but god never stopped loving you and i know it's hard to see at the moment I know I maybe sound like I'm talking in circles, but it's hard to see at the moment that it's, you know, why it happened to me and why I have to deal with this. But honestly, I would just say look in the mirror, Nolan, look in the mirror and look at who you are. You know, and look at where you are now. Look at who you're able to touch and, and, to, and to share this with. Look how you brought us together to be able to be a part of this pop this amazing podcast. You have to realize the greatness in you and the that's in you because you connected us to be able to be a part of this. You're now bringing awareness. At one point with that same thing that hurt you and you couldn't talk about and there was no community for you. Um, A lot of us never had anybody to talk to. Like, first of all, something like this is very new. Um, there's not many people bringing awareness, or at least a awareness, being sexually assaulted, being a man, and being a black man. You were always meant to be Superman, strong, taking care of family, doing this, working. And what happens is we've learned to put ourselves last. But you are an example of what you're asking. Like you're you're now allowing the safe space to happen, so which you can help other people. So I think it goes back to um, understanding that it wasn't your fault. People make wicked choices, you know, but it doesn't take away the love of God. It doesn't take away that you're still a great person, you know, so, and that's, and with that being said, I want to just, just continue to, you know, I my thing is that throughout all of this, the reason why I'm doing it is to show people love, to be to show how much they're cared for and how important they are, because a lot of us are trying to face and deal with the trauma of which we've dealt with but also trying to deal with life as it is now that's a tough thing to do so you're trying to get better but then you're also trying to unpack all the old all the old stuff that you're dealing with so i'm just telling you what i had to tell myself every day i have to tell myself like look and giving yourself grace it wasn't my fault i'm loved allowing other people to love me And what can I do now? Even yesterday, it's crazy. We brought up triggers. I was talking to one of my friends about triggers and a lot of other people that we talk to now concerning this. And they say uh, one of the guys hit me up yesterday and said, hey, man, I'm having a moment because I'm having a trigger right now. And I said, uh, let's humanize this like you're a human. You're going to have triggers. Doesn't mean that you're going backwards, so to speak, like you're feeling what you felt, but doesn't mean that all your progress is gone. So remind yourself that too. life. I had to tell them, like, you're having a trigger because you're human. You're feeling what happened. Your body has a sense of reminding you what happened, you know, especially when it's done to you over and over and over. So many things are going to trigger us, but doesn't mean that you're not making progress. So I don't know. That's just my that's just what I feel in my spirit to tell you, you know, um, it's not your fault. You got to continue to give yourself grace and. Um, and by you doing this, I, and people may not always come up front and tell you that, okay, what you've done has made an impact or a change in my life. But it's like if we can, like it's what Robert told me in the beginning of wanting to do this. Like if we can to, if we can just prick the hearts of one out of five people,
2: mm-hmm.
4: you know, and they, they may not never come to you, but I've learned like at least they have it in their mind. It's, you know, even when we had our, our events, you know, it's not always easy to get men to start talking about this stuff like it's not it's not easy for men to start talking First of all, it was hard for me to even say um that I was that I was raped, that I was molested like for men to put words to that, it's tough. you know so to actually be able to say that that's that's a tough thing to do but you know but us by us doing the work and you, know, you know by us constantly doing things like that, we're gonna be able to be able to, I believe to be able to reach out into all parts of the world to be able to help black men everywhere man, a particular Black man. So kudos to you, man, for connecting us with this. Um, I want to say I appreciate you, you know, um, and all the other guys and everyone else on here, be it to share this experience. And, um, yeah.
0: Um, Ronald or Mario, do you want to add to that um, Nolan's um, inquiry, if you will? Because I know you all are in ministry, so.
5: Sure. I I think... This is a question that I have uh, wrestled with for years myself, and I, I talk about, you know, that wrestle in the book that I wrote, my autobiography. And I said I was talking about how growing up, I heard that you know God is so good, um, and the, but it was hard for me to understand His goodness in light of the fact that He allowed something so traumatizing to happen to an innocent child, and I could not make sense of goodness um, with that reality. And so I, I still don't have the perfect answer, but just an, an, the only thing that makes sense to me that I've made peace with is along the lines of what Daquan said of how people do, well, I'll say it this way, broken people do often break other people. Um I, I know they often there's another saying that says hurt people, hurt people. And to a degree that's true, uh, but those hurt people can become whole people and heal people. And so their behaviors and their hearts can change. Um, but a lot of times the people who have been uh who people who have perpetrated the abuse has have also been abused themselves. And so as it relates to that question about God, I think that's I think uh, humanity as a whole wrestles with um, pain and why God allows certain things to occur and doesn't intervene and stop it. Uh, as a believer, I believe that that is um, the result of the sinful world that we live in. And so as a result of you know this reality of sin, um, God hasn't left us to ourselves without remedy, you know, he sent his son to die for us. And so in his love for creation, you know, Jesus died to, you know, to reconcile our relationship with all of us, including the, the ones who abused others. He has compassion for them too and wants to redeem and restore them too. And so uh, I've had to make peace with that reality that because we live in this fallen world, people do, fallen things. And so um, I, again, I don't have the the perfect answer as to why God um, didn't walk into that living room and, and stop them from doing what they were doing. Um, but the consolation that I have in my heart is that God um, is with me and that he's walking with me through the wholeness now. He never intentioned for any of us to experience pain and trauma and abuse. Um, and so um, I've had to even stop praying for those individuals who perpetrated the abuse. And, you know, and I still pray for that, you know, that family member to this day, like, you know, God, I know that person has not told anybody what he did to me and he what he did to others that I know about. And so I can imagine the torment that he lives with daily for that. And and forgiving him, it it opened my heart to be able to start praying for him, and so um, I may never understand the why behind what you know that cook decided to try to take advantage of me and advance himself on me. Um, I I can't account for for any of that, but what I can do is I I it is within my ability to take control of my narrative, and I can. Um, as someone mentioned earlier, I can change that narrative. Um, I don't have to allow the the traumatic things that have happened to me to dictate the way in which my life is played out. I can allow God to heal me. I can allow God to give me understanding um, as to the layers of how the trauma affects me. Because, you know, people go to psychologists, and psychologists they can't heal you. They are instruments of help but they can't heal you, but Jesus can. And so uh, I always encourage people to invite Jesus into the trauma. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll keep him at bay and out of that anger and that that we have in our hearts toward him, we may not even perceive it as anger. We, we may just feel like I wrestle with intimacy with God. Uh, I don't know how close I can get to him. Does he really understand? It may be camouflaged under a lot of things, but beneath it is, God, I'm upset with you. How could you allow this to happen? And God is not angry with us for having those real feelings and emotions. He's not intimidated by us telling him that we're angry with him or the, how could you allow this to happen? Um, It's a part of relationship. You know, my marriage with my wife, if she does something that hurts me, you know, because she's my wife, I would tell her that. She wouldn't be upset for, with me for saying, well, why would you tell me that you're upset because um, I didn't do X, Y, and Z or I forgot to do or say blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a part of a relationship. And so um, if you haven't done so already, I want to encourage you to be vulnerable with God. Give him your heart. Give him the the broken pieces, all of it that doesn't make sense, what you're trying to make still trying to make sense of, the frustrated the angry emotions that causes you to distance yourself from him um and when you are ready he will be ready too mm-hmm. he's not going to force himself upon you right. but when you're ready he'll be ready and he will walk with you you know through this and you perhaps maybe will never have the perfect answers but just never stop walking with him that that will be mine that's good. that's
7: good yeah I will add that um, first I blame Adam and Eve, <laughs> uh, but God give all of us free will and the men who hurt us took it upon themselves to follow their will and to do that to us. And so what we can't do is blame God for people doing what he created them to do by following their will. So in that free will, just like we make mistakes in our free will. They made a mistake, too, in their free will. The power in all of this is not the why. It's the how do I overcome? How do I get past this? And the power is forgiving them. One of the greatest gifts that the Lord has given me is the power to forgive. And um, it's a blessing and it's a curse because I, I can forgive anybody for doing anything to me, but you know why? Because I will not be held bound by what other people choose to do to me, to others and to themselves. But I'm, I, I choose to be free in the power to forgive. And when I have the power to forgive, it allows me, as Ronald said, I take control. I take ownership of my own healing journey. And I don't put the blame on others. I don't continue to point fingers and I don't blame God. I believe he loves me to the utmost because I love him. Um, the power of God coming into my life illuminated the trauma in my life. And so if i allowed him to come into my life and for him to illuminate that trauma so that I can be a better man, I have to be open to that. So I say to you, don't blame God. And it's okay to ask him why, He he may give you an answer. But it's not a black and white, it's not a cookie cutter type of answer. We all have our own journey. We all have our own experience, but I will tell you, there is power in forgiving those who have who have hurt you. Can I say um, this real quick? Uh, oh, okay. okay. Oh, no, I just want to say this real quick.
4: Um, wow, they. <laughs> I know they're setting this in, so I, have to be, <laughs> I had to had to had to pause myself real quick. I you know I, I was about to go in on here, but. Oh,
0: uh, <laughs> Go for it. Go for well, between
4: it. Between what everyone is saying and what Ron and Mario said is just, wow, well, that, that really helped me now. Um, I want to just continue to, and I'm usually nervous with, with, but it's like what I'm feeling in my spirit as well. It's like, you know, you continue to surround yourself with, with these people that are doing the same thing you're doing too, you know? And like, you know, I hate to be repetitive what they said, but um, I thought that was so powerful what Mario said, you know, it's like, I and I don't want to and I don't want to say I don't want to be insensitive, but it's like, yeah, again, you couldn't have help you couldn't help what had happened to you. But what you do now is the ultimate thing. And I hear that all the time, but for some reason, that like, really wrong in my spirit. So the biggest thing for you can do now is to realize, and that's why I put earlier, you're often your greatest weakness is actually your biggest strength. Like this thing in which you thought you couldn't talk about at one point that kept you bound, things that still may trigger you. But look, look how big and what God is allowing for you to do that now through your pain. You know, it's like, and that, and I was working on something called healing for purpose at one point, and it was basically, um, basically what you can do, the person you can be, or who you can become if trauma if healed. You know, if 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 you allow that trauma to be, to be to be healed, to be looked at. You know, and and even what Mario was saying, allowing God to shine that light on on that. You know we don't always have the answer, but look who you are now. Look how far you've become. You know it's all about reminding yourself about where you were and where you are now. You know, and I I don't know I'm not trying to be you know trying to minister to you, but you know I've had plenty of people that I've reached out um, concerning you, even the groups that we've been in, and they they've shared like okay well um, and so many people into the survivor circle that we have our community for. The people that are trying to heal the the community for the broken, the allies, the people that have been sexually abused. And so many people have told me, you know, I've come into this group. I've been invited by Nolan Adams. And so not knowing you, I also know that the asset you were and how important you were, not just because of what you're doing within the group, but because of you bringing awareness. So you have to remind yourself and look in the mirror. It's almost like what Mario told me um mario remember when you showed me remember when you one day uh i was you know because this is the thing let me be honest too a lot of a lot of people think because we're on this platform we're talking we're like we're you know we we we've arrived at this destination that we you know that we've got it all together and you know that's why i love the vulnerability but when i was really broken i remember we had our one of the events in chicago and mario um mario when i got up off the floor because they were administering to me <laughs> um he, he 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 got a camera he got his phone and he put it on, you know, so I can see myself, you know, as you were taking a selfie and he said to look at myself, he said, and it's basically, it basically what God was showing me was that look, look at who you are, look at who you truly are, you know, and, and recognize the greatness in you. And also he was just, it's just, a lot of stuff he was ministering to me. So what I'm telling you is you have to do the same thing. Remind yourself every day. It's going to be hard. You're going to have triggers. You're going to have moments when you feel like you don't want to do it, but just from, the people that I've reached out to set up youth helped so far. And, and let me tell you, let me say this too. You may not always hear it. You may not always get a pat on the back for what you're doing What the journey that we're on and what we're doing. We're not going to get a trophy for it. Like, and to be honest with you, if I had a choice to write and be a part of another book, it wouldn't have been this one. Like <laughs> it would have been something else, like something else about life or journey, but I, you know we're being vulnerable and open even now about us being broken that's something i would never want to love allow people in my life to talk about ever so just just i'm just saying this and also again uh, and and also i want to say this too the last thing find yourself a mentor find yourself a mentor that you know i know you're connected to a lot of people but find find someone that's doing the same thing you're doing that can lead you and guide you and also that can love on you genuinely, what I a motive from you, not wanting something for you, from you. Um, I, I found a mentor which most people know who, you know, Robert and all these other guys that have allowed me to see the greatness in myself. So sorry for the ramble, but yeah, I just wanted to say that.
0: No problem. Um, does anyone else have anything that they would like to add? I, I think I wanna, um, I know that out there it's minimum, um, resources available to Black men, um, and that is strictly for the audience of Black men. Are there any resources, um, Leon? I know that you may know of some and others. Just please feel free to um, let us know because I, I when I was doing my research, um, a couple of Black men said that there's nothing out here for us, and they have a problem with that.
1: Anyone All
4: right, I'll, I'll just throw this in. Sorry, I have to throw this in because this Go is this it. is. A- so we have we have this uh, survivor circle, um, hashtag I am man, which Robert founded, which all the guys are a part of. And uh, it's basically a community in which engaging peers, engaging with the men, uh, helping them on their journey to wholeness. And, you know, uh, helping them to heal, rather you're further along than others, or rather, you're, rather you're trying to start to figure out what that is. We've created a community for men to come on because most of the time, and I'm not taking away from the experience of other other people that have been sexually abused, but there's so many things out there for children. There's so many things out there for the elderly and women, but we found that, you know, for men, there was little to none, you know? And so we've created this space and this safe space for guys that, which, you know, rather you're a survivor, rather you're an ally, um, Leon, um, Tony, I'm not sure if you're in the group or not, but I would love to be able to add you guys and talk to you guys even after this, but even from the therapists and counselors and people that are just allies of us, if you're a man and you're in support of what's happening, um, we would love to have you on there. Um, So it's on Facebook, the Survivor Circle. Thank you, thank you, who did that? Okay, so okay, that was quick. All right, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and we're trying to, we're we're engaging w- 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 with each other. And it's a safe space because you see the vulnerability in there. And you see that, look, we're all trying to figure this out. Even, even as all the other guys were speaking, we don't always have the answer. I do believe Jesus and therapy together, does, it does help for sure. And that's a start. But, you know, we're engaging with each other and we're trying to figure this thing out. And so and it's yeah. important to have therapists and counselors in there because we give the aspect of our story and our experiences and what, we'll, you know, but it's also great to be, able to have that professional setting. So we would love to have you guys in the group.
2: I'd love to join, thank you. Please, Um, yeah, so just, just, yeah, just adding to that more than anything, because sometimes it's never a destination because sometimes we expect to see ourselves like a wholeness that I've got there in the end. It's, it, you know, I take progress over perfection anytime. The fact that you guys can actually engage and speak about this, once upon a time, you couldn't do that. That's progress. Take it over perfection, because there's never any destination to get to. Because once you get there, you keep evolving. And then once you got where you thought you wanted to get to, you still keep evolving. So there's never a destination, but just that evolution of who Nolan is, of Dequan, of Mario, of Ronald, or Tony, you're all evolving. You're not out of space, but you keep moving forward. So more than anything else, it's, it, it's almost like it's uncomfortable. And 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 I give it that the change is uncomfortable because as Zachary is saying, it's our response to now, the here and now. We can't change the past. It doesn't define us, but our response to us is how we respond to it now. Both of them uncomfortable. Do we hold it? Do we contain it? Or do we evolve from it and speak it? But either way, they're both uncomfortable. So in fact, you've got to choose your uncomfortable. One to keep, one to change. Either way, they're both uncomfortable. Which one do we choose? One to better you, or one to contain you and keep you? It's, you I think what you're saying when you think else, it's almost how you're seeing yourself. And you talk about looking in the mirror. Sometimes we can't see ourselves, but everybody else can see into us. They're seeing that you're doing great connected things. They're seeing that you're doing things for others, the, but you're not seeing you. So the only view you have of you is quite limited. But everybody looks at you, sees a whole Nolan top to down but when you look at yourself you can't see your back you can't you know you've got to twist yourself to see the other parts of you but when somebody else looks out into you man you're doing great work you're doing fantastic work but you don't see that so to remind yourself of that it's almost like putting a marker down what's for me who am i how you see yourself it's about you it's it's never about toxicity on the outside that causes the boat or the water out That causes the boat to submerge. It's only when the toxic waters go into the boat that causes it to go under. Don't let perceptions of yourself change your narrative of you. Change I your like narrative.
0: I like that. No,
2: I, I'm sorry.
4: I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I, I really try to be quiet, but no. and also, you know, one thing about God. God looks at you. <laughs> how God operates, He looks at you as the knowing He created you to be. You know, he knew you go through this hurt. He knew you know he knew you go through this pain. But well, he's looking at you as the finished product. He's looking at you, you know, this greatness that you are. So that's something I wanted to let you know too. You know, we we're constantly beating up on ourselves because we see what's currently happening. But God looks at the finished product of who He actually created you to be from the beginning. So just be reminded of that when you think about God and why and where you are, not knowing all the answers, but God is so strategic in how He does things. You know, so. And there's just so much more for you, but I'll, I'll I'm sorry. I just, all just, I have it in my spirit, but I'll minister. I'll talk to you after this. <laughs>
0: thank you. Um, yeah. um, gentlemen, that this has been a very rich conversation. I thank you for your vulnerability. I thank you for being sensitive and gentle with each other and with our audience members who are listening. Um, but this is our time. And can you just all, Tell listeners how they can connect with you. I'll start with King Nolan.
6: Sorry. Um, You can find me on Instagram at King Nolan Adams and you can find me on
7: Facebook at Nolan Adams.
0: Awesome. Mario.
7: You can find me on social media, Instagram at Mario Furlow and on Facebook is Mario L. Furlough. Thank you. Uh, you
5: can connect with me through my website, which is Ronald J. McCray. Uh, McCray is spelled dot All of my social media handles are found at the bottom of the webpage. Um, on Instagram, uh, you can find me at I am Ron J. McCray. Again, spelled M-C-C-R-A-Y. On Facebook, Ronald J. mccray and you will not find me on Twitter. So, so <laughs> those
2: are the best places to connect with me.
0: No problem. Thank you, Leon.
2: Oh, you can find me on um, Instagram at a safe place to talk. At a safe place number two to talk. Um, my website is um, the same www at a um, safe place to talk dot co um, and also on Facebook, um, Leon Berry, at, at Safe Place to Talk.
0: Thank you, Dequan.
4: Um, You can find me at um, one of the main email, or well, as far as email is one of the main ones that we we uh, socialize and talk to the other guys to connect, um being info at org. Far as social media handles, I am on all social media handles. So I'm trying to grow that, trying to bring awareness. So um, so it's Yo Daquan um, um, from Instagram and also Twitter, um, Daquan White on Facebook, and um, also administrate and over the Survivor Circle group. So that's one of the main sources you can find me at if you're looking to reach out to me.
0: Tony.
3: author and also
0: tony we didn't hear you can you say that organ star from the beginning i'm sorry
3: oh sorry um you can find me on the instagram tony thompson author or, or men talk 462 they're both on instagram they're both um both accounts are linked okay thank you
0: No problem. Thank you, um, gentlemen, for allowing me to showcase your stories, for doing your part in changing the narrative, and lastly, for keeping your commitment by being a part of the show. Um, We really appreciate that. That means a lot. If you've enjoyed the show, please let us know. We would love to shout you out and post your comments. If you or someone you know is changing the narrative, please contact us at IChangeTheNarrative at gmail.com. We would love to share your story. For I Change the Narrative merchandise, please, you can visit IChangeTheNarrative.org. Thank you to our sponsors, so organic, so suave. You can follow Sauce on Instagram for the latest in product news and updates at sossd.co. Well, gentlemen, this you guys just um, totally made this last episode for this season um, a banger. Um, I thank you. I appreciate you. Um, One of our viewers said, thank you for sharing your story. So um, like I said, gentlemen, your stories have touched the hearts of many. I do know that. And I thank you so much for um, being a part of the show. And I would love to have you on again. Thank you.